So great to see each and every one of you here this morning as we are just starting a brand new series together called Hold On. You know, living in this world today and especially being a Christian in our world today, there's a lot of challenges and pressures for us to change some of our ways, our ideology, our beliefs, our values, and our traditions. Our world keeps coming at us trying to pressure us to make us think that we need to change and that we need to adapt in order to fit into this world. And in the midst of all of this, it's easy sometimes for us to feel like we're losing our grip, losing our grip on our faith, maybe losing our grip on our walk with God, and that sometimes it's just easier to let go of our values and give in to what the world is asking of us. But in the midst of these challenging times, God wants you and I to know that we are not alone. That there are so many people who are going through these challenges every single day of our life. And he continually gives us again and again and again words of encouragement to help us hold on. And so through this series, what we're going to do over the next nine weeks is take a look at nine different people in the Bible. Some that you may know well, some that you may not know at all to see the challenges that they faced, that their world, their cultures, their environment was pressing upon them, to see how they dealt with it, how it relates to what we're going through right here, right now, and find the encouragement of how just like them, we can choose to hold on to God despite our circumstances. So, you know, if you have done any traveling across the United States or anywhere in the world, you'll know that different places you go have different cultural norms. What may be seen as acceptable in one place may not be seen as acceptable in another. For instance, did you know in Thailand, you should never touch a person's head because it's considered sacred. Just don't do it. In Portugal, you should never write in red ink because it's seen as extremely offensive. In Taiwan and in Singapore, places like this, it's illegal to chew gum. Now, you may be thinking these are just these far off places. I'm sure that California doesn't have any ridiculous laws or stuff like that. Well, you're wrong. (laughs) We definitely do. In Carmel, California, it's illegal to stand on the sidewalk holding ice cream. And if that wasn't bad enough, women in Carmel, California, you have to obtain a permit from the city to go out in public with heels higher than two inches. Men, we don't get off that easy either. In Eureka, California, it is forbidden for a man to kiss a woman in public if he has a mustache. Some of the guys are like, we're moving to Eureka, yeah, right? And the one that just gets me every time, you may not know this, but in the state of California, this is in our entire state, the state of California, it is illegal for animals to mate within 1,500 feet of a school, a tavern, or a house of worship. When we read things like this, the first thing that comes to my mind is who messed up so badly that this had to be written down as a law, that people got together and said, man, we really need to put a stop to this right away. There are just so many things in this world that are confusing to us. What seems completely understandable and acceptable to someone may be seen as absurd and ridiculous and confusing to someone else. And when we travel or when we go places and we find ourselves in the midst of these environments, there's almost a pressure on us to conform or to compromise what we believe is true, what we should stand for so that way we can fit in, that we can be accepted, that we could be part of this society. 
This idea of conformity and compromise, it's something that is prevalent all around our world. And I think we as Christians, we know that all too well. Our world is trying really hard to make us as Christians conform to its standards, conform to its mold, to conform to its values. So that's what we want to open up this series with this morning. I want to talk about conformity, about this idea of conformity. When I think about conformity and people who had to compromise their beliefs, there's no better person in my mind than Daniel in scripture. See, Daniel was just a teenager when he was captured by Babylon and taken to a new land against his will, forced to compromise, forced to really conform to the society and the culture he was being thrown into. Let's take a look at this in Daniel chapter one, one through four. It says this, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia, and he put them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. See, Daniel was pressured. Daniel knew what it was like to deal with compromise or the pressure of conformity. One of the first things that happened when he got to Babylon is he was challenged in the way that he viewed the world. Babylon tried to change this up for him. And the way that they did it is when he was taken captive to Babylon, which by the way, its name itself means confusion. <laughs> That's what Babylon is, it's confusion. But when he was taken to Babylon, he was forced to learn a new language and a new literature. And as we're reading this, we may think, ah, oh, you know, that just kind of seems natural to go to a new land. But really what was happening is this was a war tactic. This was a method of brainwashing these young men to assimilate into their culture. They thought, you know what, maybe if they can learn who we are, our history, learn our literature, they would begin to know what we know. They learn our language, they'll begin to speak like we speak. And if they speak like we speak and they know and they think like we think, we can make them into whoever we want them to be. See this, it was a method of brainwashing them, of getting them into a place where they were being pressured to conform to a culture that completely removed their old identity and who they were and everything that they were having to deal with and their values, their traditions and who they were as a people. Now for us today in our world, our conformity, our pressure, to compromise, it doesn't come from foreign rulers or from captivity. It comes from more local sources like our media, social media, education, leaders, culture, it could be laws, regulations, whatever it may be. There are all kinds of things out there that every single day are pressuring us to conform, are pressuring us to compromise who we are, to compromise our values just like Daniel did. Our world is trying to conform us as Christians into its mold. Slowly, very quietly, subvertly slipping these little things into your life to make you think, oh, you know what? Maybe this sin or maybe doing that isn't really that bad because God will forgive me. And maybe if I do that, I can become more like the world and more of what the world wants me to do. 
And this is exactly the situation that Daniel was thrown into. When he got to Babylon, he was subvertly, slowly being brainwashed into this lifestyle. And what's really fascinating to me is the same four-step pattern that Babylon used against Daniel is the same four-step pattern our world uses to try to make us compromise or conform as Christians today. And it's so important that we understand these four patterns because it gives us the ability to stand against them. So the first one that we need to know is this, the first part of this step, the first pattern is separation. It's separation from everything that influences you to be more Christ-like. And we see this in Daniel chapter one, verse three. It says, the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of the court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. You see, Daniel, he was separated from his homeland. Daniel was taken away from a place where he was free to worship God, where he was free to have fellowship with one another. He was free to read about who God was and see how God was moving through the land. He lost that intimate connection he had, and he was now a hostage being held captive. He was separated. See, for us today as Christians, our separation when we really start to look at it in this world and everything that's happening is the world telling us there's more important things than going to church, like playing sports, like going on vacation, like being at work all the time. All of these things are more important than spending time in church because that's lifestyle. That's what makes you advance in life. Church, now that's just a hobby. It's just an activity. You see how the world is slowly trying to separate us from the presence of God? And once that separation happens, the next step, the next thing that happens is indoctrination. Indoctrination and simply defined indoctrination is teaching a person or a group to accept a set of beliefs uncritically. And this is what Daniel experienced firsthand. Listen to this in Daniel 1.4. It says, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace, he was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. See, Daniel was indoctrinated by being forced to learn the literature and the language of the Babylonians. A whole new way of living, a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of being in his life. In our world today is trying to indoctrinate us as Christians by telling us, you know what, sin isn't really that bad that there are some things that you can do, and yeah, maybe there are some things that you can't do. They're trying to push the lines of what sin really is. And what's even more heartbreaking is that we see our children in our schools being force-taught things that should really be left to the parents to decide how to teach on how they want to raise their kids, how they want to equip them and build them up in the faith. Our world is trying hard to pull us away from the word of God with everything that's inside of it. So they separate us, they indoctrinate us, and then the third step is to make us compromise, where there's a seduction from the world almost to lead us astray. And this is what Daniel experienced. We see it again in 1.5. It says, the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. See, Daniel was given a daily provision from the king of the most luxurious, delicate foods, a lifestyle that he would never possibly have known on his own to lead him astray, to make him forget about his old way of living. You see, our world, it's trying to make us as Christians compromise once again by telling us, you know what, sin, it's okay. 
It's okay to have sex before marriage. It's okay to get drunk. It's okay to get high. It's okay to do this. It's okay to do that. And it's slowly starting to blur the lines of what is sin and what's not sin. That we can give in in these certain areas and still be Christian or Christianese if we want. And then when we're separated, when we're indoctrinated, when we're compromising ourselves, the next step is confusion. It's to throw us into confusion. It's the removal of our old ways in our memories. And this is what happened to Daniel in verse seven. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. See, Daniel had his name changed. And the significance of that, it was completely removing his identity of who he was in Christ, of who he was in God, to completely separate him, to make him compromise, to throw him into confusion so he would completely forget about where he came from, his heritage, his lineage, his values, his beliefs, everything that he held strong to. See, our world today is trying to throw us into confusion by systematically pulling God out of everything that we know, out of our schools, out of our society, out of our constitution, out of our land, out of our church. It's trying hard to separate God and it's replacing this idea of, you know what? You don't owe anything to anyone. This life is all about making a name for yourself, about getting ahead for yourself because you know what? You only live once, YOLO, right? Well, in the words of Dwight Schrute, false. You live every day, you only die once. <laughs> Right? The sooner we understand that, the sooner we can recognize this four-step pattern, man, it's wrecking havoc in our lives. It's slowly pushing us further and further and further away of who God has called us to be and leading us astray. And before we know it, we find ourselves compromising. We find ourselves conforming to the patterns of this world. And maybe you're sitting there this morning saying, well, you know what? That's not me. I feel like I got a pretty good grip on this. Well, you know what? I think every single one of us has some kind of trigger in our life right now. Something that we're dealing with. And maybe it's different for every one of us in this room. But there's something in your life, if you really look at right now, that you feel pressure from, maybe not the world, but from your family, from your friends, from your work, to conform in order to fit in. Maybe it's education. Maybe it's policies and laws and regulations. Maybe it's gender, maybe it's equality, maybe it's race. I don't know what it is, but there's something that's happening in your life, something that you personally are dealing with that's a trigger for you, that you're at this point, you're like, man, God, I, I think I know what you're calling me to, but the world is telling me to do something different. What do I do? How do I not conform? How do I not compromise who I am? How do I keep doing this? And you see, folks, it starts with us recognizing that this is a problem. Because if we don't recognize that, we're just gonna keep falling deeper and deeper and deeper into this place of compromising, into this place of conformity. Makes me think of that old analogy of the frog in the pot, right? Completely unaware that it's boiling to death as the heat is slowly being turned up. Our world is turning the heat up on us as Christians. And we need to be aware of it. We need to understand what's going on because the world is trying hard to make us change how we view the world. That's what it was doing for Daniel. But it didn't just stop there for Daniel. You know, Babylon went to the next step and they didn't just challenge the way he viewed the world, they challenged the way that he lived out his faith. And I think this is also what hits us hard as believers as well. Well, the world is challenging us every single day to compromise the way that we live out our faith. Daniel chapter one, verse five again, 
It says the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. And they were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. See, Daniel was asked to defile his faith by eating food that had been sacrificed to idols, which was completely against the Mosaic law to completely defile his faith. In addition to having to learn a new language, having to learn a new literature and having his name changed, they were trying hard to completely change his identity of who he was. And we, we may not be sacrificing meat to idols. And I hope that's not where you're at this morning, but we do sacrifice something else. We sacrifice our time. We say that the things, the pleasures of this world are more important than spending time with God. And our culture sees that. And so our culture is trying to use that as a foothold to slowly and surely redefine words that matter to our faith in order to change how we spend our time in it. Telling us, hey, you know what? Sports is more important than going to church because sports, they build careers, they build scholarships, they build you know, a lifetime of just camaraderie. So go for sports rather than attending church. Go for academics, learn, spend more times learning and researching than reading your Bible because the world has all of the answers, not the Bible. Invest more at work, work harder, work more hours, work longer, because that's the true meaning of success. If you want purpose in life, you got to be working. Forget helping other people. It's about making yourself advance. It's about getting yourself to the top level. See, our world is trying to fill our minds with these thoughts, to compromise how we spend our time in faith and what it is that we're doing. And when we really start to look at it, I think it comes down to this issue of goals versus values. What are we pushing in our life? Are we seeking to fulfill a goal or are we staying true to our biblical values? Think about this, for your kids, if your kids are in sports, do you push them into sports so that way it's a goal that they make division one so they can have these scholarships, so they can go to the best schools and they can have these careers and just find fulfillment in that? Or is there a deeper value you're trying to instill in them about teamwork, about perseverance, about what it means to be part of something greater than yourself? See, when we're faced with decisions every single day of our lives, these things are triggering us, we need to start asking ourselves the question, are we compromising? Are we conforming to the world because we're trying to meet some lofty goal, just this idea? Or because it's a biblical value we wanna stay rooted in. We wanna stay grounded to. And I know that's difficult because our world, once again, it's trying hard to blur what real biblical values are. And it's difficult because there's this worldly influence that exists out there that's disguised as Christian goals. It says, hey, as a Christian, this is what you should be doing. If you would do this, more people would come to the faith. More people would see Christianity as appealing. So go for these things. And as we start to see these things, we think, oh, okay, that's fine. But we start compromising little by little by little. And soon we start to look at where we are and we look back and say, man, I see biblically where I should be, but this is where I'm at right now. See, when we're in dealing with these situations of conformity, or compromise, we have to ask ourselves, are we seeking to pursue some kind of goal or are we staying true to the biblical values that we know God has called us to? But that doesn't happen if we're not spending time with God, if we've allowed the world to separate us from the presence of God. 
You see, ignoring a time to worship God is the same thing that led the Israelites into captivity for 70 years. Folks, here's the point. We cannot compromise our worship of God to conform to the worship of culture's activities. We can't do it. We can't, we've got to fight against it. And I'm afraid this is where we are headed as a culture. This is where we are headed as a nation. And we've got to stand strong. We've got to hold on tight to everything that's going on. So how do we hold on? How do we hang on and not conform to this world? What can we learn through all this? What does Daniel show us? Well, I think he tells us in chapter one, verse eight, take a look at this. It says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Daniel resolved. Do you know what the word resolve means? It means to decide firmly on a course of action. He resolved not because he was seeking some goal, but because of the biblical values he had in his life. He made a resolve. He said, you know what? I'm being confronted with a situation right now where I've got to make a tough decision but I'm gonna draw my line in the sand. I'm gonna say, this is where I'm gonna stand. World, you do your thing, I'm gonna do my thing. And he didn't try to pressure others. He didn't try to convince them or pull them over to his side. He just said, you know what? You do your thing because that's what you're gonna do, but I'm gonna stay here because this is what I believe to be true. This is what I believe to be right. This is what I believe my God is calling me to do. So he drew that line and he stood by it. He stood in the midst of it. Friends, this is one of the hardest battles we have to face as Christians every day to draw our lines in the sand when it comes to things that we're dealing with in this world. We are living in a world that's pressuring us to have a partnership with it. That's all about follow the crowd or about go with the flow, right? That if Christianity would just be a little bit more accepting, if Christianity would just open its eyes, be a little bit more inclusive, maybe we wouldn't be seen so much as judgmental in life. Maybe if we were willing to push those lines back a little bit, to compromise, to blur them a little bit and step over them, we would be received with open arms. And people would see Christianity as so much more attractive and they would just come in droves to join us. But if we resist, if we draw that line in the sand and we say, biblically, this is where I'm going to stand, well, that's where we start to face resistance. It's where the world starts to retaliate against us. But what's really happening when we decide to make these decisions, what's really going on is that our world and our culture is learning where our loyalties lie, with men or with God. Friends, this is time for us to stand, to stand in allegiance with God and his word rather than giving in to these secular bullies who demand that we march to the rhythm. We have to choose to honor God more than we honor society. We have to choose to go after God with everything inside of us. And that only happens once we are rooted biblically in the word, that we know those biblical values that we can stand on and not choose to conform to this world, to not give in to everything that the world is throwing at us in order to lead us astray. We can't keep blurring the line of what is sin and what's not. Because God makes it very clear in scripture. He says, sin is transgression against God's laws. It's rebellion against God and everything that he stands for. Somewhere along the way, we've lost sight of that. We've moved from a place of tolerance to a place of acceptance. See, tolerance with its permissive nature, it says, I'm going to tolerate this happening. I'm going to allow it to happen. Versus acceptance, 
with its inclusive nature, it says, I'm allowing this to happen in my life. I'm going to accept it as a new reality. And we start accepting these blurred lines of what is sin and what's not. And soon we find ourselves conforming to the patterns of this world, completely led astray by everything that's going on. But God calls us to make a stand. He says, don't give in to the conformity of this world. Don't give in to that. Stand strong in your biblical values. Get back into the word, read, and do whatever it takes to resist. Because guess what? You can resist as a Christian. You can pray. You can preach. You can write. You can argue. You can defend. You can do whatever it takes. And when the world tells you that's not good enough, you can say no. No, I'm not going to let my kid learn that. No, I'm not going to compromise myself just to fit in. I'm not going to do it. And when the world comes against you, which they will, you can boldly look at them and say, you know what? I'm a Christian. This is what I believe in. This is what I'm called to. This is where I'm choosing to stand. And the world's going to push back. It's going to push back hard. But once again, you have to ask yourself, where do your priorities lie? With God or with men? Are you trying to please man in society and culture more? Or are you trying to please God? What are you doing? So what was the result of this for Daniel? If we're learning that the answer is to resolve in our hearts not to do these things, what was the result for Daniel? Three things really happened to Daniel. First, his resolve had an influence on the people around him. It made a difference in their lives. They saw it and said, man, we want that. We want that kind of conviction and passion and dedication to God. But not only that, what's so cool, the second thing is it influenced even the king. It influenced his culture. Look at this in verses 19 through 20. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. That's pretty crazy. He had an influence even on the leaders in the culture that he was living in. But the third thing, if you keep reading in this story, is it also affected him personally. He was healthier, he was more in tune with God, and his mind was sharp. See, folks, when we choose to stand biblically, to hold on to the real biblical values that God is calling us to, we begin to influence the world around us in the positive way. We begin to really make a difference in our lives. That only happens when we're maintaining sight of the bigger picture that God hasn't called us to follow these lofty Christian goals, but to biblically stand. And folks, he's given us all the answers right here. He says, whenever you're dealing with an issue, whenever you're faced to compromise or conform, pull your Bibles out, pearl out the word of God, because the answer is here. Compare this to what the world is trying to tell you to do, and you'll know exactly where to draw that line. You'll know exactly where to stand and where you've got some wiggle room, where you can go, what you can do. But that only happens if you personally have resolved in your life, today I'm choosing not to give in. Today I'm choosing not to conform to this world. You make that decision. I'm not going to conform to the pattern of this world. That's why Paul says in Romans 12 too, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you know in the Greek, this word conform is the word susematisko, and it means to pattern after, to mimic, to align your priorities with. 
When we conform to this world, we become just like this world. And it's not very long before we start putting this world and the things in this world above God. Friends, you know what that is? It's idolatry. And God speaks against that. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And he does it not because he's jealous. He does it because he wants us to know that everything in this world is just temporary. It's going to fade away. And that thing that you're dealing with right now, as big as it may seem, you have the ability as a Christian to biblically stand, to be able to resist against it if you feel the pressure to conform, to be able to do what God has called us to do because God is for us. And when the world comes against us, which it surely will, God's on our side. Because if you keep reading in the book of Daniel, you know what happens to Daniel? The world sees what he's doing and they throw him into the lion's den to be devoured by the lions. The world is trying to throw us as Christians into the lion's den when we resist, when we draw that line too. But we have the same promise as Daniel did from God. That God will be there for us that God will be there with us, that God will stand with us, that he will protect us, that he will close the mouths of the snarling lions that roar around us and he'll protect us. But it only happens if we're biblically anchored. Because if we're not anchored, we're just gonna be set adrift in the currents of this world and conform again and again and again. So as we close out our message this morning, I'm gonna invite the worship team to join us back up on stage as we enter into a time of response. But I think that there's a lot of pressure for us as Christians to conform, especially in our society, especially in our world today. And so the question is, what do we do? Where do we go from here? How do we stand against it? How do we remain biblically in tune with God? How can we be more like Daniel? Well, there's four things that you can do that I wanna encourage you with as I close this morning. The first one is this, renew your mind daily. Be in the word. As things come against you, As you get attacked over and over again, if you are grounded in the word, if you are biblically set in the word, you will know those biblical values and it will tell you how to make your decisions, what you should do. Once you have renewed your mind daily by being in the word, secondly, you need to watch what you eat. I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about watch what you're taking in. Because a lot of times when we're facing these decisions, our decisions are being fueled by the things that we see happening around us, by the, the things that we hear people saying, by the way it's being reported in places or depicted in places. And we take that in and it just makes us angry and it makes us upset and frustrated rather than really doing the research ourselves. And the question is, are we becoming so filled with things that are only tearing us apart making us question our faith, or are we being filled with things that are encouraging us and building up our faith and giving us clarity in the midst of the hardships of life? Because when we begin to do that, the third thing that we can do is to crucify our flesh daily. I know that's a very Christianese type of word, but this is simply what it means is that temptations are not gonna stop coming. Pressure to conform, it's not gonna end in this world. But if we choose every morning to get up and say, God, not my will, but your will be done, man, what a difference your day will be. (laughs) How different your life will be. Because God begins to move because you've opened that door, reading spiritually, taking in encouraging things, having God be on your side. And when all that happens, the next step is you just need to make this a daily routine. You need to form godly habits around these spiritual disciplines. Pray, fast, read, 
every day. See, a discipline, a habit is something that's just not one and done. It's a normal part of your life. Temptations come every day. So why shouldn't we take up our Bibles and be defending against it every day? And I know it seems hard when the world's pressuring us to conform, to compromise, to give in, but God's given us everything we need to make the right decisions, to be able to stand. But it only happens if we're biblically rooted folks. So we need to stop watching media. We need to stop filling our heads with the lies of this world and start filling our lives with more of Jesus. To be more like Daniel, to resolve, I'm not gonna let world dictate who I am or whatever. Yeah, they can change my name. They can try to make me eat these things, but I'm gonna resolve today to honor my God. That I am going to decide right here, right now to follow Jesus. And I hope that's the cry of your heart. I hope when you're facing situations in your life that you can say that wholeheartedly. I'm gonna choose to honor God because that's where my loyalty lies. Not with man, not with culture, not with this world, but with God. Would you pray with me? Father, we, uh, God, this world pressures us so much to conform to be more like it, to go with the flow. And I know there's times when it just seems easier to let go and conform, to let go and give in because we don't have to deal with just the, the headache and the hurt and the pain and just everything that comes with it. But Father, I pray that you, God, God, that you just speak to our hearts. God, that you fill us every day with your word. God, that you instill in us, not these Christian goals that lead us astray, Father, but that you make clear to us the biblical values that you have called us to stand upon. And that we would renew our minds, that we would crucify our flesh. We would fill our lives with you, Father, and make that a habit. God, and that every day we would say, we are gonna follow you not going to follow the ways of this world. We're not going to conform to follow the leader, Father, but we, God, we're going to follow you. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You are everything that we need. So Father, I pray that you help us to stand against conformity. Pray this in your name.